world good day good day good day good day beautiful people good day welcome back to my podcast this is history today with onik i hope you're good i hope your day is going well i hope your week is going well yeah i do hope that it's wednesday the middle of the week yeah don't forget to not lose hope (sighs) yeah don't forget to not lose hope (laughs) Today, I want to tell you about a woman. I want to tell you about a woman who is popularly referred to as the mother of Nigeria. I want to tell you about a woman whose birth anniversary was on the 25th of October. Yeah, you might have still not figured out what I'm talking about, but yeah, I know if I say this next thing, you'll figure it out. I want to tell you about the woman who was the first woman to drive a car in Nigeria. Yep. Yeah, that person, she's the one. I want to tell you about Chifumilayo Ransom Kutsi. She was born in 1900, like I said, on the 25th of October in Abelkuta, Egba land, which is now in Nigeria. Yeah, it was in Nigeria then. She was born to Christian parents and she was named Frances Abigail. Olufumilayo Summers, F-R-A-N-C, yes. She attended the Abel Kuta Grammar School from 1914 to 1917. And even though the school had initially been open only to male students, Fumilayo's parents were among the very few Nigerians, yeah, I have to call them that, Nigerian parents who believed in the importance of education for both boys and girls. And as, yeah, and as a result, she was the first among the six female students that were first admitted in 1914 in the school. Yeah. After teaching briefly in school, she went to England for further studies in 1919. While she was in England, she dropped her English name and chose to use her name, her Yoruba name, permanently. She shortened it from Olufumilayo to Fumilayo and made it her main first name. Uh, People believe that this is a decision that was likely in response to personal experiences of racism in England. I'm not sure, but I guess... She returned to Nigeria in 1923 and she worked as a teacher in Abeokuta. In 1925, she married Israel Oludotun Ransom Kuti, a man whom she had met and developed a friendship with while she was still in Abeokuta Grammar School. He was several years ahead, but yeah, they had similar values, I guess. And after friendship, they developed courtship and they got married. Now, Israel was a reverend in the Anglican Church, and he worked as a school principal who believed in bringing people together and in overcoming ethnic and regional divisions. After her marriage, Fumlaya Ransom Kuti quit her job as a teacher, and by 1928, she had established one of the first preschool classes in Nigeria. In 1931, her husband co-founded the Nigerian Union of Teachers and became the first president of the union, wherein she herself was also a board member. In 1932, she helped establish the Abel Kuta Ladies Club alongside 
grace in your last Shoyinka, who was a husband's niece, and is Wale Shoyinka's mother. Yep, the group was focused on encouraging the self-improvement of women from the middle class. Shortly after, she started organizing classes for illiterate women and women with lower income as well. In the 1940s, the organization became more political and feminist in its orientation and it changed its name to Abelkuta Women's Union, AWU. Yes, from Abelkuta Ladies Club. By so doing, the membership of the club was open to all women in Abelkuta and its focus was turned towards fighting the unfair price control and taxes which was imposed on market women in Abelkuta. The women had to pay for water, had to pay for food. They had they were paying taxes on water, paying taxes on food, paying taxes on their stores, and they were paying special taxes. Now, these special taxes was the main problem because they knew that these special taxes was going directly to the alake and from the alake, the yeah, directly to the alake. Now, the alake was uh, the um, should I say was aware where different people was okay the alake at the time let me stick with that and use words the alake was uh, an indirect ruler yeah this was the time of the colonialism and even though he was seen as a tradition traditional ruler of abeokuta he was answering to the colonialists so even the money that they were shopping safe it was not for holy them <laughs> anyway under her leadership, because yeah, she was the president of the group, under her leadership, the AWU developed a successful campaign to stop local authorities from seizing rights from market women under false pretenses. In a bid to unify women and to avoid class conflict, Fumilayo and the other formerly educated members of the AWU wore traditional Yoruba clothing to union meetings and events, and they spoke only Yoruba. In their protest against outrageous taxes, they began contacting newspapers and circulating petitions. They also publicly refused to pay their taxes. They staged long vigils outside the palace of the Alake, like I told you, yeah, the traditional ruler, and they demanded representation from women on for women on the executive council of the SNA. Now the SNA was the sole native authority system. Now, this system was uh, set up by the colonialists as well. It had uh, local government administration, but it was also run in the area. Yeah, it was also an indirect rule thingy. And they were, they were known. This system was known for exploiting the locals at the... Yeah, exploiting the locals for the British. Yeah, you get my point. Around this same time, Fumlayo Ransom Kuti helped to establish the NCNC, which is the National Council, was the National Council of Nigeria and the Cameroons. Yeah, it was a political party at, during the colonialism. Now, during their protest, they came, they came prepared with an audit of the financial records of the SNA to show you that hey, these people have been shopping our money unnecessarily yeah in 1947 when it seemed like the awala was too much 
the authorities began forbidding women from protesting and demonstrating. And then Fumilayo and her group decided to keep up with their activities under the guise of picnics and festivals. She taught members of the AWU how to deal with the tear gas canisters that were sometimes thrown at them by the British police. And it is recorded that she responded, yeah, that she at some point responded to a British officer who told her to shut her women up. She said, and I quote, you may have been born, but not bred. Would you speak to your mother like that? <laughs> I can almost imagine her saying that in Yoruba and it sounds very sweet. <laughs> now in 1948, the Alake compared the AW women to vipers that could not be tamed. Imagine. But uh, yeah, however, he suspended the tax on women after going through their petitions. In 1949, their continuous efforts led to the temporary abdication of the Alake, who at the time was Sir Ladapo Adimola II. Now, Fumilayo Ransomkuti served several terms on the local government of Abelkuta, local council of Abelkuta, representing women in the discussions of the national constitution and making strong arguments as to why women should be allowed to vote. Around the same time, the National Women's Union was created in order to achieve women's suffrage, to dismantle electoral colleges, and to support a more balanced representation of women in politics all over the country. Now, I told you it was AWU, Abelkuta Women. Now, this is Nigerian Women. Yep. National, oh, National Women's Union. Yeah, Nigerian, National, not Nigerian. Yeah, I'm still correct. <laughs> yeah. She was also the president of the National Women's Union and she traveled all over the states in, yeah, the then, not, yeah, the then Nigeria to establish the union. In the early 1950s, she became the first woman to be appointed to the Western House of Chiefs, wherein she was granted the Oloye Chieftaincy title. Yep. She, along with about 400 women, formed the Federation of Nigerian Women's Societies, FNWS, and she was elected as the vice president. In 1955, her husband, Israel Bransom Kuti, died from prostate, prostate cancer after an extended period of illness. By this time, their marriage was already 30 years. And yeah, he also helped in the formation. The husband also helped in the formation of the uh, Nigerian uh, Youth Union. Ay, 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 how did I forget that? Yeah, Nigerian Youth Union, Nigerian Youth Organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nigerian Youth Organization. Well, his death hit Chifumilayo very hard because over the past years, she had struggled with the question of whether to abandon her political work so that she would spend more time with him. But yeah, he died. Now, in the years that followed, Fumilayo continued to travel widely and to give lectures on the conditions of the Nigerian women. Now, widely, I mean worldwide, not just in Nigeria. And she gave lectures on the conditions of the Nigerian women. And she, yeah, and at the same time, she began investing time and money into the establishment of schools throughout Abeokuta. 
Now, this project rose from the deep belief in the importance of education and literacy, a belief that she shared with her husband. After she was denied a second chance for the NCNC assembly and later expelled for trying to run independently, she formed her own party, the Commoners People's Party. But this party was dissolved after a year because at that time her political prowess had begun to diminish. After independence in 1960, the universal voting rights for all adults, men and women alike, was introduced in Nigeria's new constitution. And in the years that followed, she received many, many awards, which included an honorary Excuse me, which included an honorary doctorate of laws from the University of Ibadan. In the early 1970s, inspired by her, by her son, Fela, yeah, we all know Fela, she changed her surname to Anikula Pokuti. So she was now Chifumilayo Anikula Pokuti to further identify herself with Yoruba culture. We all know Felaya, like I said, and he was a fierce critic of Nigeria's government and the Nigerian military. After an attack on him in November 1974, he released an album in 1976, which he titled Zombie, in which he compared the army to mindless machines. And many people believe that this was the last straw <laughs> yeah, that broke the camel's back. Okay, I should not be laughing because yeah, it was not funny. Well, Fumilayo visited her son often in his home compound, which he named the Kalakuta Republic. And on the 18th of February in 1977, she was there when close to a thousand soldiers stormed and surrounded the compound. The soldiers destroyed properties and assaulted the residents. During the assault, the soldiers dragged her by her hair and threw her out of a window on the second story. Can you imagine? She died in April of the following year as a result of complications from her injuries. She was known as a progressive revolutionary, described as a Pan-African visionary, and popularly referred to as the Lioness of Lisa B. <laughs> Till date. The soldiers are being referred to as unknown. Nobody knows who sent a thousand soldiers and Nigeria has still not rendered an apology for the death of a 78-year-old woman. How would you? I don't even want to think about it. Uh, a year after she died, yeah, to celebrate her one-year anniversary, <laughs> Fela released the song Coffin for Head of State. I like song an album. And he even went as far as dumping a coffin in front of the, yeah, uh, government house. <laughs> yeah, that is all the bit, bit of history I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed hearing about her. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed. If you did not know the story, I hope you now know the story. For those who knew the story, I hope I've been able to refresh your memory. Yeah, thank you for listening. Until tomorrow, remain blessed. Bye.